0: Welcome to More Than A Few Words, a marketing conversation for small business owners. MTFW is a production of Round where we help small businesses become big businesses. This is Lorraine Ball and Allison Carter, and today we're going to talk about
1: customers. More of them! Maybe. What do you mean maybe? Isn't that what every business wants? Well,
0: every business wants more
1: customers, but I think every
0: business owner needs to get comfortable with the idea
1: that not everyone is their customer. Ooh, now those are dangerous words. I mean, most people come in the door and they say, well, my target customer is anyone with a small business or anyone who owns a car or anyone who has a pulse. And any time that a customer
0: sits in front of me and says, well, my customer is anyone, a little part of my marketing heart dies. It's true.
1: I, I, I can just see the puppies being murdered.
0: It would be wonderful if everybody would buy your
1: stuff. But no matter what your stuff
0: is, no matter how fabulous it is, There are people out there that are never going to buy.
1: Well, there are people you don't really, it's not that you don't want them to buy. If they walk in and said, you know, I'd like five of those, you will sell them and tell them to have a nice day. But you don't need to reach out to them. You need to make smart decisions and build your brand and the way that you look and feel around who that target customer is.
0: No matter how big or small you are, there is a limit to your marketing budget. Even AT&T has limits. They, they've got a big budget, and I'd love to have a chance to spend it. But even they have to make decisions about, am I going to try to talk to every person on the planet, or am I going to try to talk to a
1: subset and talk to them more often? You know, and that's a great example. Let's look at AT&T's advertising. They aren't talking to people like me, 20-something singles with no kids. All of their ads revolve around families, They have a whole ad campaign that has to do with DVRs that's just kids. And so while I had AT&T service where I lived before I live now, they didn't really care if I bought or not because they knew that the families were going to buy the bigger packages, were going to buy the multiple DVRs so Junior can watch Spongebob while the parents are watching something else or the husband can watch the game while the wife watches whatever she watches. So they know they get more bang for their buck from advertising to people with families.
0: And that is the same in any, Mm -hmm. um, in any product category. You can try to be all things to all people, and you're going to exhaust yourself. And you're going to do multiple things poorly. Or you can do, and my favorite example, uh, and it is a product that I don't buy, but I love their advertising. And I don't love it because they're getting me excited about buying it. I'm sitting on the sidelines loving what they do because I think they have a really clear picture and that's the whole axe brand. Mm, their commercials are gross. Of course they're gross to you because <laughs> you are
1: a young professional woman. You ain't their customer. This is true. I am the uh, we're the object of the customer's pursuit. So their their target customer is uh, is a frat boy. Their their target customer
0: I would argue is and, and just like Cosmopolitan and Seventeen magazine Actually, appeal to women younger than they profess to appeal to. I think the Axe customer is a fourteen oh, yeah. to thirty-year-old man, and hopefully yeah. fourteen to
1: twenty-five. Hopefully, oh God. Yeah.
0: Hopefully, by the time he's twenty-five, he's figured out that that smell is not necessarily <laughs> um, appealing. But they built this entire campaign around frat boy humor, mm-hmm. around the kind of things that guys will say in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Do in the locker room. Dream about right in the locker
1: room. Just like, you know... Playing Nintendo. Yeah. It's not really the jock type. It's it's more just kind of, bro, just kind of hanging out, you know, having some brewskis, you know, chasing some chips. And it's, it's very chauvinist, but it works for its target audience. And they don't give a crap if I'm offended by it or not.
0: Because what their
1: message is, use our stuff, get the girl. And
0: I really like their new campaign with the astronauts because when the astronaut takes off his helmet it's this geeky guy with glasses so the girl who's rescued on the beach by the gorgeous lifeguard runs to the, the the geeky guy sort of the big bang theory so it's this idea that anybody who uses their product not just the hunky frat boy But any guy, as geeky as you are, can be a hero to the girl of your dreams if you'll just buy their product.
1: It's very aspirational. But you know, I've never seen that commercial because I make it a point not to watch anything that Axe would advertise on.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of a sci-fi geek so I get some of that.
1: (laughs) Um, I I tend to every now and then be
0: somewhere. And that's actually an interesting point with target marketing. Deciding on your target is picking a group of people most likely to buy. It is not saying, I'm not going to sell to these other people. And so if they happen to wander by and consume your product, that's a bonus. I like science fiction. There is no advertising on science fiction movies (laughs) that's placed in the magazines that I read. Uh, Or on any of the websites that I typically go to for business or other browsing.
1: You know, it's interesting because we're talking about targeting and, and, you know, a lot of that does fall along fairly simple lines of men and women and age and that kind of thing. You know, we're talking about how, it doesn't matter if I'm offended by accents, but, you know, there is one company that I think has really got it wrong, and that's GoDaddy. Oh! Oh! Say GoDaddy to any woman and that would probably be her reaction.
0: And and I think that GoDaddy is the best example of not Mm -hmm. understanding who your market is. And... Let's talk about it, and then let's go through how do you, you yes. define your market. GoDaddy has decided that web developers, people who buy domain names and hosting packages, are young men 14
1: to 30 who are uh, complete horn dogs.
0: Absolutely. Um, and you know the skimpier the clothes, the more they can have Danica Patrick or whoever the woman of the week is laying across an automobile,
1: possibly with another woman, the more hosting packages they will sell. They aren't just sexual they I would say they're actively misogynistic and incredibly offensive to all women.
0: Absolutely. And so on the one hand, I don't like the ads and so I tend to shy away from the product. The other reason that I really get angry at GoDaddy is, and I don't get angry at Axe. Yeah. I'm not in Axe's target demographic. You
1: are never, you do not, you're not going to use a male body spray. That's Thanks. just a bridge too far. But, hello, I run a company that builds websites. Yeah.
0: We produce 25 50 new websites a year, and for almost all of those clients, we have to make a
1: hosting package recommendation. Well, and even let's take you out of the equation because you are kind of an outlier as a woman in the web design space, mom bloggers, they've got to register their blogs. There are millions of them, literally, if someone would reach out to them, or at least acknowledge that they exist, or even think, maybe we shouldn't actively offend those people, It would be completely different. But they have decided that they know who their target audience is, and they refuse to look outside of that. And
0: so as a result, when a customer comes to me and says, who should I use for a hosting package? I have Host Monster, Midwest Internet, here in town. I have two or three other good recommendations that I will choose. And so in that instance... um, They have actively turned off their customer and I think it's because they really don't know
1: who buys domain names. So how could we help them narrow down who their target market actually is? What I would do with GoDaddy or
0: any company that is looking to improve their targeting, the first question is I would take a look at the entire potential market. Mm -hmm all of the domain names that are owned or registered, and start dividing into categories looking at age, income, if if it was a consumer, you know, if you're looking at consumer blogger types of sites, age, income, gender, lifestyle, um, educational level. um, For other consumer products, I might look at where they're located. And start saying, you know what? There are more men than women in this category, okay? Maybe we should direct more of our messaging to men.
1: And we've talked about very gendered and extreme examples. Many products are a mix of both audiences.
0: Well, but then also there are criteria around the age of your audience. Mm -hmm. And this is a place where I think a lot of businesses try to go too broad. Our audience is women 18 to 50 that's not an audience that's a gender
1: I mean yeah I'm 26 and I'm 57 we are both and in some in some marketing demographics we would fall into the same demographic my concerns are just this much different than yours absolutely and
0: um, I don't know that I am necessarily in the center of my age demographic Mm -hmm. and I don't know that you're in the Mm -hmm. center of yours which is why we probably overlap a little bit more
1: but, but even so, we're motivated by very different needs, wants, desires, goals.
0: Absolutely, um, and things as simple as what what music will you download from mm-hmm. iTunes versus what I might download. Mm-hmm. Fashion, mm-hmm. movies, places where we do overlap: good food, mm-hmm. um, theater. Yeah, but taking two women. That broad engagement; those are typically two different demographics. What's going to attract and appeal to the vast majority of younger women may not the older. So I think people make that mistake. I think they also make the mistake on income mm-hmm. going too broad there. Yeah. You know, anyone who makes 50000 or more, guess what? <laughs> a family of four with $50,000 in income yeah. versus
1: a family with $200,000 in income? They ain't playing at the same playground. Mm-hmm. You even they. see people doing like a hundred thousand dollars and up, as if as if that's the pinnacle of vast wealth. It ain't there. There is a very different, a bit very huge difference between being upper middle class and being a multimillionaire flying around on a private jet. Absolutely, I see it a lot with um, uh, financial planners yeah. who
0: define their target as individuals with net worth of a million dollars, and on the surface that sounds like a lot, but the average middle class family two income family where both people have been working for 20 years they own a house they own two cars they have retirement accounts they're getting into that million dollar asset that or net, uh, net worth that doesn't make a millionaire that does not make them millionaires and they are not going to have the same sort of investing behavior mm-hmm. as someone who has
1: million or $3 million in net worth. So that's a lot about the demographics, what people look like on paper. But really the other big thing that people ignore are the psychographics, which are their underlying motivations.
0: And in consumers, that might be a lifestyle event. Someone getting married, someone who has just had a baby, someone who has moved to a new community... Mm -hmm. There are also values, and mm-hmm. if you're interested in this, um, Stanford Research did a great study um, called Vals. Mm-hmm. And they update this data every year. And they actually divide people um, based on whether they are action-driven, yeah. whether they are um, whether it's important to them, what other people think, or whether it's important to mm-hmm. them, what they think of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people that make purchase
1: decisions based on, can I do it myself, mm-hmm. um... Based on philanthropy, based on the things that matter to them that you aren't going to see by seeing that someone is a 26-year-old female making X dollars a year. But if you
0: do your research and you do a survey of a hundred people and you ask them on a scale of one to five, how important is local community theater? and 20 of the 100 people say, you know, it's really important. Now you can begin to go, okay, there's a smaller community out there that really thinks theater is important. And I'm going to direct more of my messaging not just to 20-somethings, but 20-somethings who think theater adds to the quality of their community. Absolutely. And the trick is... To not be afraid of going niche.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: To kind of go down that long tail and find a
1: small group of people and really meet their needs. You know, it, it's funny. People people do have a fear of being specific, but there's actually a, there's a joke on the internet that's called Rule 23. Have you heard of Rule 23? No. It says, if there's a thing that exists, there's a porn for it. So basically, what. That boils down to, even outside the porn industry, is that there is a target audience for everything. Everyone has such particular uh, predilections and wants and needs and desires. There is someone out there who wants it. The question is, is it big enough to support your business? Because I've seen businesses make
0: that, that mistake. I've seen a lot of businesses that go too broad. They try to talk to too many people so they have to water down their message. And it's so bland, nobody knows what they're saying, but on the other side, I've seen people who
1: have a product that ideally meets the needs of a very small community. If I start an online store that sells uh, supplies for competitive hedgehogs, and this is actually a thing, I just read an article on it, for competitive beauty contest hedgehogs, I could probably do pretty well online because I'm selling to the entire United States, they can find me on message boards, I could even ship internationally. If I've got a storefront in Carmel, Indiana drawing people from maybe let's be generous and say that hedgehog lovers will really travel and come 50 miles away, how many hedgehog lovers are there in central Indiana? So the as
0: you're defining your target, you need to look at here's the entire universe, here are the people that I think would be interested and in, could potentially buy from me. How many of them are Mm -hmm. at a place that I can reach them, effectively target them, get product to them?
1: How often will they buy? Mm -hmm. And can I really run a business Mm -hmm. based on that? Absolutely. Some purchases, you know, a car, once every five years, once every ten years. Depending on what kind of cars you sell, that interval is very different. Mm -hmm. You know, someone might trade in their Corvette every year for a new one, but that person who's buying their entry-level, you know, uh, Nissan, Nissan or Toyota, Toyota. whatever, they're going to keep that and burn the wheels
0: off of it. They are going to drive that puppy into the ground. You know, and we've talked a lot about the consumer side, but you can do all this same targeting on the business side. I
1: think that's really a whole other podcast, to be honest with you.
0: I think we do a separate conversation on targeting business to business. If you've listened to today's conversation... I think, and you've enjoyed it, but you want to know more about Business to Business, tune back in, and we'll
1: talk about that next week. And we do have some resources available for you on our website. If you head out to roundpeg.biz or morethanafewwords.com, you'll be able to actually download a worksheet that will help you define your target customer. So uh, please do go and check those resources out. Terrific. We hope you found today's program valuable. This has been another
0: episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening.